there's so many things that we think we know we don't want, and that will oftentimes stop us from trying something. But there's also just how do you know what you don't want unless you're experiencing it? Thanks for having me on your show, Brett. I'm very excited to kind of give your listeners a little bit of a different glimpse of their host. Well, I'm excited to do this too. And I appreciate you taking the time. I thought it would be fun to turn the tables for our audience and nobody better to have you ask the questions than you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, here's the thing. I always start off with the same question. And even though it's not my show, I'm still going to do it. Because I think it really gives people an idea of you know, why we're here right now. And so that's why my first question is always, why is it that you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Yeah, the podcast for me is really something that I was doing where it wasn't being recorded. I was just having deep conversations with people, usually over coffee, but finding people that were very interesting in trying to learn about life through their lens. Mm -hmm. And so when I discovered podcasting, I just thought, why don't we record these? Why don't we make this a real concerted focus effort to hear people's full life journey, all the good, the bad, everything that's led them to the success they're having and share it with the audience. Because if I'm learning something in these coffee, in these engagements, then 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 clearly, you know, there's got to be something for a broader audience to learn too. Absolutely. And I think you have such a great access to so many different types of people, different walks of life, just lots of different experience, certainly different... Um, so lines of work. And so there's probably some really interesting nuggets, definitely different stories told along the way. I believe you're close to 100 episodes. Is that right? That's right. Yep. We're just about there. That's a big milestone, you know, in the podcasting world. How does that feel? You know, it's fun. I was thinking about it today because I was sitting in a strategic coach workshop where um, Gino Wickman, who is the founder of EOS and a friend of mine, I asked him early on before I had even recorded any episodes, would you come on the podcast? And he said, are you serious about this thing? Or is it going to kind of like die off after you do it a handful of times? I said, no, I'm serious. And I was kind of insulted that he asked me the question. So um, it was funny to see him again today and to think about the fact that you know we're all almost through full two years, a full two years and 100 yeah. episodes. Yeah, that's exciting. Did he give you like a number of episodes before he would come on or did he just sign up right away after you told him? <laughs> no, no, no. No, he totally. Um, he said, "I I'll wait and see if you really mean it." You know, um, he came on. I can't remember what number he was, but it was definitely well into the first year. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think that's great because it's when it's your friends that challenge you to. They're like, you know, podcasting's cool. A lot of people are trying it. Show what you got first, and then I'll come on the show. That's exciting. I well, I, what it was I really about for him. Gino. Yeah. And what I admire about people like Gino is he wasn't trying to be... He wanted to be helpful, but he values his own time. And he doesn't want to do something that isn't really a part of something important for somebody else or that's going to be really beneficial to what he's trying to do. So he was really clear about that filter of, yes, if you're serious and show me you're serious. And that was for both of our benefits, really. 
Absolutely. Because I mean, when you make an ask like that, I mean, it's already very hard, I think, for people to kind of get the um, the nerve up in some situations to ask someone in your case, you know, this is a friend. So you felt like you had an in there. And of course, those are the first opportunities you should take. But you also want to make sure that when you do ask for people, you know, their time, that it is going for something that really does mean a lot to you. So I think that that's that's cool. Now that it has been so long though, you like me started a podcast really um, within months before the pandemic happened. How would you say things are different now with the show or how the journey has changed? Like has the purpose changed? Has the line of questioning changed? Just like has your approach changed over that time because of just different circumstances or just different perspectives that have happened during that time? Well, you know, the interesting thing is when I started the podcast, I did not have a format. And I didn't have a format because there was some resistance there. I was nervous about it. I didn't know how it was going to go. It was totally new. And I'm a procrastinator. When I um, you know, feel some sort of resistance, I'll wait to the last minute. And so sure enough, I ended up into the first recording without really a plan. And um, I don't like to prepare. I don't like to research. It's just not kind of my natural way of being. And I showed up and kind of fell into what feels like it was kind of just handed to me this kind of gift of curiosity about somebody's life and a desire to start at the beginning. And, and through that, a format did come where I kind of learned that I like to start at the very beginning of somebody's life and then connect these dots all the way to what they're doing today. And that hasn't changed. And that didn't change through the pandemic. Um, and it's still what we do today. And if anything, things like this, what we're doing right now, have me kind of creatively thinking about, well, how else can we make this fun and interesting? Um, there were plenty of things that changed during the pandemic. Going to Zoom, for one, was a big one. We were doing all in yeah. person. Um, and Zoom's been great, you know, because it's allowed me to really connect with people all over the country, all over the world, do it from my home, no commute time, there's less people involved. And, you know, I think maybe it opened up, you know, an audience that maybe otherwise I wouldn't have had too, that people were looking for this kind of content and were at home and maybe had more time or were more interested in growing and learning and maybe that's you know kind of a, a benefit to covid as well. Yeah, I I would also have to have to agree. I think I was in the camp before I started the show that you know these conversations are so much sexier when you can sit in person because there's that dynamic that you really don't get sometimes when you do have a digital wall up. And um, just like the energy of having somebody right next to you in the room, I still think there's something to that. But I also at the time was just fatigued with digital interviews. So I wanted to go all in with in person. And I could totally see that that was the case here as well. And now that it's like, we're just happy for human connection when we can get it. Zoom is definitely serving this show and, um, and many shows, I think, globally. But... So when you talk about starting at the beginning, let's let's talk about you uh, in in that way. I think over time, our drive to be successful comes from different sources of you know desired purpose. So 
creating an impact is clearly where you are today when we think about like what is your big why? Why are you doing this podcast? Why do you make the time to do it? Why do you have these conversations? Why do you share these conversations? I can see why you have them. But why do you document them? And why do you build on that? When you think back to when you first got started in your career, let's say when you started getting into property management, this space of real estate, what do you remember about what your why was at the time to drive you to succeed? I think for people who are thinking like, what was Brett like back then getting started? Like, what was his motivation? What do you remember about that? Well, you know, my motivation when I first got into the business and really into business at all, honestly, was um, pretty surface level. It was about um, you know finding a career, making money, uh, looking good, you know, getting job um, promotions and having a title and a, a business card and whatever kind of you know materialistic things I thought mattered um, that came with that the, with those positions. Um, I really wasn't interested in learning. I really wasn't interested in passion or purpose or um, you know impact. Any of the things that really drive me today. It was all about just what I thought I was supposed to do. It was really my conditioning was that you go to school, you graduate from college, you go get a job, and you do whatever you can to be successful, make money. And you know, grow up a corporate ladder. You know that that's all I was doing. Uh, it wasn't until I started to get into real estate that I started to even think about things that I was interested in, things that were energizing to me. And then it was well into my career in real estate um, that I started to become uh, aware of things like purpose and passion and worldviews and identities and how to bring that all into something that could become my work. That that was, you know, well into my 30s, into my career before I was even aware of those kind of concepts. Yeah. I I'd love hearing that because I think we always start from a really simple place about where we're motivated or how we're motivated. It's usually influenced by the people around us and what we, like you said, what we think we have to do um, and what we're supposed to do or what is supposedly successful to the outside world. Do you think though that you regret any of those motivations or is it okay to just have whatever it is right now that moves you a step forward? Like, it's okay for that to be the vision because you're going to evolve over time. Well, I think what happened for me is, you know, it starts with awareness. And so when I became aware that that's what was happening and and I was unconsciously living into this kind of parental societal and whatever else peer conditioning, that that was just what I knew. And once I became aware that that's what I was doing, well, then it started to kind of feel uncomfortable. It was not something I was really at peace with. I was happy about. I actually wanted to pursue something else. But but it wasn't until that point, until I had some awareness around it, that I uh, thought I was doing you know something wrong or out of alignment. And so I don't have regrets about it because I was really just doing the best I could at the time with what I knew. Uh, you know, now I would have had regrets had I not shifted out of that place into a different place. And I really hold the worldview that, 
you know, there, there is really uh, nothing wrong and that everything is happening for our benefit and it's perfect for what it is and what it's not. And so, you know, I can't have regrets when I hold that worldview. I feel very fortunate for the experiences that I had. I really had to go through that. I had to really see what it was that I did not want. You know, I learned a ton in my uh, first, you know, 10, 15 years of my career, a lot about what I did not want, what I did not like, what I was not satisfied um, doing for my work and with my life. And it's because I truly had that fully embodied experience that I could um, know that I wanted to do something else and, and really um, appreciate it, have a lot of gratitude for what it's like to have a feeling of loving what you do. I don't know that I could know that if I didn't also know what it meant to hate what I did. I just had like the biggest epiphany when you said that because there's so many things that we think we know we don't want. And that will oftentimes stop us from trying something. But there's also just how do you know what you don't want unless you're experiencing it? And that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Like just trying something, just going, just doing the thing, and then finding out, you know, this isn't working. And now you have new information to use, right? This isn't working. So now I'm going to try something else where also some people might end up in a situation that isn't working for them and feel stuck because there's some sort of comfort that's coming with it or they already went down this road. So how are they going to take get back all the time that they lost there? I just think that's such a great lesson in if you don't want something, then at least find out that that's even going to happen in the first place by experiencing something. Yeah, I think that's right. And then, you know, you started to touch on something else that becomes kind of the next real tough part. And to me, this is probably the hardest part is once you do have some awareness, once you do have some sort of an awakening and you start to realize that you're out of alignment, you might want something else, the conditioning will still be there. And so it comes back in pretty fast and says, oh, come on, that's ridiculous, or that's impossible, mm-hmm. or that's not for you, or that's too hard, or what are you going to do about your family? And you've got all this stuff going for you. You know, Do you really want to give that all away for something you don't know if that'll even make you happy, right? So for me and a lot of people, like that conditioning comes flooding back in and you really do have to commit, work hard, you know, kind of do all the things to fight against that and change your mindset and your way of being if you're going to make that kind of a change in, in whatever you're doing. Um, could be work, it could be life, it's relationship, it could be anything, right? Where you're, you're in it and you've put a lot into that and now you're going to start yeah. walking away to something else. That, that, that's where it gets really tough. Yeah, definitely very tough. You've clearly had a lot of experience with this. So now that you know what you don't want and you're kind of you know living your life in a way that's like, I'm going to spend it where I can make an impact, where I'm spending my best... If I'm away from my family, why am I away from my family? And what am I doing with my time? What are you doing when you're feeling most in your element? Hmm, that's a great question. There are a few things that really uh, I feel like I'm totally in my element. 
I, again, one of the reasons why I do that podcast, do the podcast is because I love being in these kind of conversations. I love being in thought leader conversations, coaching conversations, conversations where I'm learning, where I'm supporting somebody else. That feels really very much um, in my element. I, uh, I love to be a part of helping people, of, of getting help. I have always been kind of a self-proclaimed self-help junkie. I just love learning um, about the mind, about life, about other people, and trying to provide some value to others. I also love to create. And, and I believe, you know, really creativity can, can be applied to almost everything. And my audience has heard me talk about this, but um, I obviously love to build buildings and communities, but I also love art. I love um, starting new businesses. I love to um, find solutions and roll up my sleeves and try to you know strategize. Um, I just like being on the creative side of things, whatever it might be. I really get a lot of energy thinking about how it's possible to create something that the world might experience and benefit from. Hmm. You so frequently probably get asked, you know, when I'm sure you're thinking, you know, how much time can I give to something like this to give to the things that I feel most in my element on? But you're, being who you are and knowing as many people as you do, I'm sure you're asked very frequently, you know, to do something with your time that may be someone else's idea or someone else's cause, or maybe there's, um, you know, a financial investment in some way. Like, there's probably a lot of things that you're asked, and the answer is going to be yes or no. There might be some questions before, but you know, what is it that helps you as like that north star of whether or not something's going to be a yes? Well, candidly, I have had to really work at this. I um, really don't like telling people no. I really don't want to have people be upset with me or mad at me or not like me or tell some story about me um, because I didn't respond to an email or voicemail or I told them I didn't have time to meet. Um, That has been something I've had to learn to get good at. And really the way that I... Have done that is, you know, when I say no, uh, when I say yes to somebody else, I have to decide if I'm really saying no to myself. And so when it thinks, when I think about my time with my family, when I think about time with the things that I've already committed to, the businesses, the 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 companies, the team members, um, the podcast, the other. People that I'm supporting, you know, when I think of those people and those things, I have to say to myself, do I have time to do what I've already committed to, to show up as the husband, father, CEO, friend that I have said that I really am? Am I, am I taking away from that by saying yes to this? And um, so that's really been kind of my North Star. Um, and then there's kind of things within it. So, you know, I'm not interested in in things that are strictly about making money. So if people are showing me deals or they want to partner on something and, you know, I know right away that it's just not something I'm passionate about, it's a quick no. Um, I've had to kind of find my way through the community work and philanthropic work that way too, because 
lot of good causes. Everybody's doing good work. Everybody means well, but there's certain things that, you know, I just don't want to sit on a board and we've been on boards together, right? I don't want to sit somewhere where I don't feel like I'm using my time or I'm adding value or I'm passionate about the cause. Uh, I've really learned, in fact, I'm a lousy board member. I don't sit on boards anymore, uh, with the exception of one um, that I actually really am passionate about. So it's, it's, it's a process. It's really a process. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really comes down to honoring yourself and your loved ones and the things you're really committed to as the best filter. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've learned in that time, like just it's okay to ask a lot of questions, right? You know, it, maybe it's not evident that it's a no right off the bat. Maybe it's not even clear it's a yes. And maybe you're honored to be asked to be on a board and you say yes. And then it's like, oh, actually, that has a lot more of a commitment than I thought that it was going to be. But if we would ask the question first, um, it would have gotten easier. So my question is, it's really hard for you to say no to people, but how have you gotten better at it? Like when you have to say no to someone, how are how have you gotten better at saying it in a way that you feel like you're not apologizing for being who you are? Well, there's there's two things. One is I've had to be kinder to myself about it. So I have to really um, not feel bad. I mean, usually it's myself that's making me feel bad that I've said no. I mean, the person hasn't even done it yet. And I'm already telling the story about how you know, wrong I am for saying no. So I've had to learn to really be gentle on myself and to really give myself the room to figure that out. And sometimes maybe I will make a mistake. Sometimes I might miss out on a great deal or I might um, you know, upset somebody I don't want to upset. I mean, there is a little bit of just grace that you have to give yourself through the experience. And then, you know, I think you just say no in a way that's kind and respectful and honest. And if somebody isn't okay with that, then, you know, there's really nothing more that I feel I need to do. Um, you know, and it's pretty simple. It could be something like, I'm really sorry. I would love to get together with you. I just don't have the time right now. I, you know, I'm happy yeah. to try again at a later date, you know, and that's just true. I'm sorry, you know, yeah. but I can't, I don't have the time. I always find that the more somebody is upset with you that you've said no to their ask, especially if it's sort of like out of nowhere, like there's been no prepping at this point, like there's not been like a primer. There's just like, um, it's, oh, you know, that's interesting, but no, that's not going to work for me right now. The more upset they are, the less they actually appreciated your time in the first place. <laughs> that's oh, just totally. a trend that I've seen. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, no, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I do think there's a lot of people who simply want something for themselves. And they're so focused on that that they actually don't care about you. And so those are the people that generally react that way. And yeah, I mean, it's um, sometimes it's better to uh, just know that right out of the gate. You know, if they react that way, you feel like, all right, well, that's probably not somebody I want to spend time with anyway. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so as an interviewer, as someone who's podcasting, having created uh, pod- podcasting and having conversations with people and natural conversations, like you said, you don't do a lot of prep, like you're genuinely curious. Is there a question that you don't get asked to you very often that you think 
is actually interesting or um, your answer would be interesting, if anything, or just like, yeah, it's just something that you've asked your guests of in the past and, um, and you think your audience might be interested in the answer for you. Jeez, you know, it's so much easier to ask the questions than to ask yourself the questions. Um, you know, I think the thing that maybe I don't get asked a lot is um, kind of um, what is it that's really, what's kind of fueling me now for the future and where are we headed? You know, a lot of people are kind of interested in in what you've done and I'm generally asking questions of what what you've done or how you got here. In my podcast, we usually only spend the last 10, 15 minutes talking about what somebody's doing. Um, so yeah, I, I guess maybe you know it's a little bit more forward thinking. I'm so focused on the past and the history and the journey that you know I, I don't really spend as much time on where we're headed. Um, and you know for me, that's um, maybe also in part because it's not always that clear. Um, for me, I don't really always know where I'm headed. You know, I am starting to get some clarity and some energy and excitement on kind of how this all starts to come together. Um, you know, the podcast, a personal platform, the business, gravity, and um, really starting to see how all of these pieces of the puzzle that have been my life are coming together to um, really, you know, make a lot of sense and become the future. But um, yeah, I probably don't talk as much about that. Yeah. I feel like you gave a glimpse of what your answer would be just then. Like, what are you thinking about right now? What are you doing? And what is the future looking like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of add to that, you know, I, um, I really have a passion for trying to uh, heal and optimize the human experience, which is, you know, big, broad language. But I do believe that, um, taking action and small steps over long periods of time with a big dream is the way that you can make a difference in the world. And so I've been building real estate communities that really are focused on trying to provide experiences to people where they can improve their lives, where they can connect to other people that are like-minded, they can collaborate and they can find ways to learn and grow and enhance their, their life. Um, their lives. And hopefully by doing that, that enhances the broader community. And if we can do that, um, and maybe others can follow, maybe we can make a difference in in the world. And um, I've just been finding other ways to try to do that, you know, through using formats like podcasting and investing and coaching and speaking and writing. And now, you know, um, seeing how a lot of these different things can all come together and you can truly do that in the context of a physical space or a virtual space uh, is exciting. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm headed is trying to pull it all together. I love that. I want to kind of just tie this up by asking, just based on your experience with all the people that you've been interviewing, just really anybody as you've gone through your career and through your life, that you've met and that people that stand out to you. I think you've learned a lot from just doing this show uh, in terms of a perfect childhood probably doesn't exist for most people. You know, there's never like a straight line from A to Z when it comes to achieving your goals. 
So knowing all of that, because everyone listening has been listening to your conversations with people, knowing that getting started is probably very imperfect. What would you say a winner looks like? A winner? What does a winner look like? Well, you know, I found really through these hundred interviews that um, generally people have two paths and from 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 birth, um, and there are exceptions, but e- either somebody has a unconditionally loving childhood, and there are a lot of those great stories where they just say, "My parents loved me unconditionally. I had a great childhood." Um, or you have one that's usually filled with trauma. And, and in both cases, the successful people that I'm interviewing, and they're from all walks of life. They're you know, not all in business. They're really um, diverse. They uh, will all say that that early childhood experience really shaped them in a way that they learned, I want to be more like that, or I want to be different than that. And it really had a huge impact on their lives and what motivated them to uh, have what they needed to be you know, a winner. Um, and, and to me, you know, a winner is somebody that is doing something with their life that they're happy about, um, that they're um, finding moments of joy and moments of high fives, success, um, where they're at peace. Uh, That doesn't mean that they're done. It doesn't mean that they've made a ton of money um, or won all the awards um, or um, not still growing and learning, but they're at some level of peace and joy and happiness and, and are... Um, very much kind of called to their work, passionate about their work, passionate about their lives. And, and that could be, you know, being a parent, it could be um, starting a business, it could be being an artist, it could be anything, but there's some sort of passion, purpose, and real kind of joy, peace, happiness to their way of being. Um, to me, that's, you know, what I would say, you know, a winner or success looks like. Well, Brett, this is a great conversation. I feel like I know a lot more about you now and hopefully the listeners do as well. Thanks for letting me be on here to grill you on your own show (laughs) about your journey and where you're going. I'm so excited about the impact that you've had with Gravity and in all your work and in the show. And I can't wait to see where you go next. Well, thanks, Amy. It's been great to be on this journey with you and... uh, learn from you and have you be a good support in this um, part of my life. So it's fun to have you turn the tables and ask questions and be on the show again. I look forward to joining you on yours. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and follow me on Instagram at Brett Kaufman on Twitter, at bkaufman125, and subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for The Gravity Podcast with Brett Kaufman. And please send me a DM with any guests or topics that you'd like to hear on future episodes.